Welcome to another episode of the Air Raid Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. As always, subscribe to us on iTunes and Google. Anywhere you get your major uh, podcasts from, give us a listen, like, subscribe, follow, whatever you may have. Also, follow the show on Twitter, Air Raid underscore podcast. Uh, best way to get behind the scenes when I'm not busy and uh, up to minute on who's coming on and all that good stuff. But in the meantime... Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we got the wonderful David uh, joining us again. David, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I am. Uh, sorry, I am. I am as well. Um, as we discussed, if you guys don't know, we are here at least here in, <clears throat> in the heartland of the st- of the country, here in Oklahoma City, uh, metro area, put it that way. And um, I don't know when did it start? What did you say, David? Last. Last Friday is when all this rain started. Yeah, well, yeah, I want to say last Friday or Saturday is when it really, really started. In fact, uh, where I live, I was near a park where it was supposed to be a car show last Saturday, and it got canceled because of the rain, which I really bumped out because last year it got canceled. The whole thing got, the whole festival got canceled because of COVID. So I was really looking forward to getting back into it, but I guess the weather had other ideas. Uh, the good news is this weekend's supposed to be dry, which is great because they're having a parade on Saturday and then the fireworks on Sunday. So at least we can uh, look forward to that. Absolutely. And of course, uh, all of you out there here in America, I know we've got listeners across the globe, but uh, definitely here in America. <clears throat> Happy Fourth of July. Be careful out there. This is the probably the biggest year. I would say you would have the freak accidents, the weird deaths, unfortunately, due to fireworks. So definitely stay uh, stay safe when you're celebrating with your families and friends, and uh, enjoy this weekend. I know myself. I definitely will. I got a three day weekend uh, coming up this weekend, so I'm not complaining. Are you working on Monday, David? Uh, yeah, I'm working on Monday. Um, um, there's a few guys that are working on Saturday. I'm not one of them. We're uh, splitting the two different teams uh, for the weekend, so we don't have to work every Saturday. You can if you want to. There are a couple of psychopaths, that I call them, that work every weekend, and I'm like, hey, I want part of my weekends if I can. So they split everybody into two teams, and they alternate, and luckily the team that I'm on is off this Saturday. So I'll be able to enjoy the weekend with my friends and family. Very nice. Now, it's, uh, this is probably the only time of the year that I would say I would gladly take a three-day weekend, but at the same time, I would gladly to work. It does not does not bother me one one inch from another. It's uh, Now, Thanksgiving and Christmas is a whole different ballgame, but uh, nonetheless, um, looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, if you guys are joining us, listening real quick before we get the show going, uh, it's been raining off and on. Um, it's not like the Northwest Pacific, where it is uh, 116 degrees in Portland and Seattle and all that good stuff. So definitely not that, but uh, we're getting our fair share of what I would consider Miami humidity and rain. And uh, as much as I will enjoy the rain, um, it's getting tiresome just because it's uh, you don't know when it's going to uh, going to hit. But uh, in the meantime, we are going on live on the on Twitter, or at least trying to keeps reconnecting. But nonetheless, um, let's get the let's keep let's keep things going and let's get things started. Uh, Demarius Thomas, um, 
uh, former wide receiver of the Denver Broncos, played his final year in the New York Jets in 2019, officially hangs up his cleats. <clears throat> of course, one of the best in Denver uh, to play the game. Of course, you get a lot of input on, you know, how, how does he rank from top to bottom. I would definitely put him up there. Um, definitely not past Rod Smith, but I would definitely put him up there nonetheless. David, what would your input on Demarius's career? Of course, short-lived. Uh, I know towards the end of his Bronco career, he was facing quite a bit of injuries. Of course, with the Jets, I believe. Same situation, uh, injury-prone as well. But overall, Demarius Thomas, of course, Super Bowl champion uh, with the Super Bowl 50 uh, champion, so on and so forth. Your thoughts on his career? What is where, where would you rank him with the Denver Broncos greats? Like I said, I don't have him past Rod Smith or even Floyd Little. Um, but nonetheless, he would definitely be up there on my end. But uh, your thoughts on Demarius Thomas's career as a uh, NFL wide receiver? Well, uh, well, first off, he's uh, been a tremendous asset to the Broncos uh, for the time he played with them uh, from 2015. At, uh, 2010, rather, when he was drafted uh, with the uh, in the first round with their first, with their first pick that they had, and uh, I was initially very excited about it because I'd seen him a few highlights in college. Uh, I knew that he was very athletic, um, very very good sized receiver. wasn't considered small by stature. Uh, six foot three and a quarter, and uh, just under just over two. 220 pound um very very good receiver um unfortunately the uh, uh injuries uh kind of hampered his career from the get-go he was actually uh broke his foot before the combine and uh, they was able to get his measurements but was not able to participate in the combine and that kind of set the tone for his career uh it was shortened by injury which is unfortunate because we'll have lived to see him at least play uh 15 16 years in the league um he reminds me uh, he's borderline tight end uh which was very very uh, very, very good to have. Um, I would actually put him up there with Ed McCaffrey uh, as far as the Broncos are concerned um, because he was uh, very, very uh, flexible in some uh, play design packages. Absolutely. And um, I know I'm working on uh, our Twitter <laughs> Twitter live feed, so bear with us for all that I'm actually watching currently live. Um, but no, anyway, so Demaris Thomas, absolutely. He carried a wonderful career in college at Georgia Tech. Uh, First-round pick out of Georgia Tech. A lot had him compared to a potential Calvin Johnson, maybe not so much the height and athleticism, but in regards to how he can uh, spread the field, so on and so forth. Uh, definitely, we all remember, if you're a Denver Bronco fan, though, I got quite a bit on here. Uh, we all remember him against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card game when Tebow, yes, Tim Tebow, uh, threw the 80-yard bomb the first play of overtime to send the Broncos to Foxborough, where eventually they, they get routed to the New England Patriots. But <clears throat> nonetheless, uh, of course, over 9,700 9, yards receiving. Uh, I'm looking at the stats currently. Uh, looks like we're at uh, – I'm so blind as a bet. 63 touchdowns. Um, obviously, it's not going to be what I would consider. He'll make the Hall of Fame. I don't think – First ballot, even though Calvin Johnson is first ballot, Calvin Johnson has better stat numbers. The only thing Demarius DT has uh, is a ring, something that Calvin didn't, unfortunately, couldn't get a hold of. Um, nonetheless, and what's funny is 
I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to make the Hall of Fame. I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit on that one. Uh, I think a lot of Broncos that's hasn't made the Hall of Fame, I think, should be in way before Demarius. But that's a whole different topic. But uh, I know one thing that the criteria seems to have a ring. If you have a ring, you got a better chance. However, uh, nonetheless, uh, wonderful career by Demarius. Wish him all the best um, in whatever he decides to do. Uh, unfortunately, injury, career prone uh, for the most part. And uh, it's unfortunate because I thought he had a, a bright future, of course. You know, Peyton Manning helped him. I thought Tebow kind of led, but Manning really helped showcase what he can do. And, of course, towards the end of the career, then, uh, you know, unfortunately, but uh, with injuries. So, now, nonetheless, of course, as, as we talked about, Demarius Thomas retiring. Um, he's awfully young, I would say, wouldn't you, um, age-wise. Yeah, he's actually uh, about my age. He was, uh, he was born on Christmas Day, of all things. Um, in 1987, so he's around our age, and again, he's retiring more than likely due to injuries that he suffered. I mean, he uh, tore his Achilles after the 20, 2011 season. He uh, just scrolling through some of his stats, and it's just like he missed games, multiple games because of injury. And again, that's one of the reasons that uh, he uh, had for unfor- unfortunately led to his early retirement. Because I would love to see what I'm done. Uh, full health, but that's just the game of football, I suppose. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, career, could you arguably say cut short? You can potentially say that. Um, but nonetheless, definitely great career. I know with the Jets, he wasn't very productive with the Jets. Uh, 36 catches, 433 um, touchdowns. So, I mean, his numbers dropped towards the ladder of his career, but I wish him the best. Hopefully, um, hopefully we can uh, see him on silence. Maybe comes to coaching um, or what have you. So, yeah, I think mean, he may be a tremendous coach. Of course, uh, Peyton Manning wish him all the best. And then he was actually said that when uh, when the, he signed with the Broncos, when Peyton Manning signed with the Broncos, uh, he was excited about Demarius Thomas and said that it's very nice to have someone like him on your team. So if you can get that from Peyton Manning, you know you're pretty good. Yeah, uh, Peyton Manning, you know, he, he's one that uh, obviously the chances of him coming on the show <laughs> is none, but, you know, he'd be one guy I would love just to pick my brain with, pick his brain, I should say, just because of all the input um, that he gives and, and produces and so on and so forth. He's just one guy. You, just, I can guarantee you can probably go on and on and on and and listen to all these stories. Yeah. If you're watching on Twitter live, I'm definitely apologizing. I don't know what's going on. I want to give this shot one last time. Um, as we all know, the wonderful Rob Manfred, the commissioner of uh, the Major League Baseball. Um, He's got he's got himself in a really really bad situation. Um, as you know, David, of course, I'm a big baseball person. Um, we now obviously got uh, I guess this is now officially week one or week two of the what I like to call the sticky uh, situation for the league. 
obviously start off uh, Garrett Cole, you know, a few names that was mentioned about potentially using the substance. Garrett Cole, the Yankees, so on and so forth. Now we see, I don't know if you saw, but Max Scherzer, the ace for the Nationals, definitely a future Hall of Famer. He gets he, – he, he is unhappy when he gets inspected by the Yums. Of course, he was – that was prompted by former Yankee manager, now current manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, Joe Girardi. He prompts that happening. And then a few hours later, the Oakland Athletics reliever – uh, Sergio Romo, he gets this, he displays his feelings about it. Uh, of course, now we got the suspension of um, of the pitcher. I think it was Hector Santiago of Seattle. He got caught with it. I think it might have been last week or the week prior when Dan had me on his show. We talked about it very briefly. Um, what's your thoughts, first off, on this whole sticky situation, first off? Second of all, is this the next black guy that the league didn't want? Let's because let's be honest. If you look at the original black guy, uh, forget Pete Rose's gambling issues, but uh, we got the the steroid issue with so many people: Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Jason Giambi, Alex Rodriguez, Rafael Primera. The list goes on and on. Where does this put that at in regards to black guys? But what's your personal thoughts on just this really sad situation uh, that the league's in now, obviously cracking down? Is it the right thing? To, I mean, obviously we don't. I don't condone cheating. I don't want people like, oh, now you condone cheating. No. Okay, if Garrett Cole gets caught, he gets caught. You know, you got to serve your time. Um, but nonetheless, of course, the Yankees can't get nothing anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Um, but what's your overall? thoughts on this sticky situation that Rob Manfred, the commissioner, is in right now? Well, it's been um, sticky stuff is one of those unwritten rules of baseball. You know, it's um, it's written in the rules where you can't use it, but everyone knows that pitchers always use it. Yep. And I don't know what prompted Commissioner Manfred to start feeling as necessary to start cracking down on it. Um, it's just one of those things where you just let the pitchers get caught, you know, and uh, the, the, the fact that you, you mentioned uh, Max Scherzer, I mean, he got, he got he, it was like three times in the game. He was like third time. He was just about delighted to the umpires. He was like, you know, Hey, I'm trying to pitch here and you're delaying the game and trying to inspect me making a circus out of this. And then um, Sergio Romo, uh, later that night, of all things, um, very displeased with it. In fact, he dropped his pants. Yep. And uh, and the umpire's like, whoa, 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 that's way too much right now. And I think it was uh, kind of showing the commissioner, like, hey, this is getting ridiculous. Um, it, it's going to – if it doesn't get nipped in the bud, this thing needs to stop in my opinion. Let the pitchers do what they need to do. The, play, the player, the, adapt, the pitch. The uh, batters will learn to adapt. It's what they always do. And um, they've always done it. And the pitchers are just going to, you know, it's just don't get caught. That's what the rule is. Don't get caught. And uh, Hector Santiago, um, he got it suspended today, mm. um, even though I believe it was rosin. And rosin is a legal substance. But um, you can't have it on your glove hand. And it's like, okay, 
the, this thing needs to be thrown away because if Major League Baseball isn't careful, it's going to be up there with a bigger black eye than the steroid scandal because you're going to have pitchers that refuse to pitch because they're like, hey, I need help gripping the baseball and I don't want to get caught and suspended 10 games because of this. So it's got a chance to get out of control of Major League Baseball to stop this uh, circus. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, you look at the league – now, obviously, the umpires have handled it well, even though uh, you might say it's overdone. But for the most part, they're doing their job. I get that. They're doing their job. Cool. I get that. Congrats. Obviously, it's not their fight. The league's come down to them saying, hey, you guys need to do a better job, of course, keeping an eye on this. Let's kind of watch out for the signals, the signs, so on and so forth. They obviously... We obviously now got in a situation to where now we're getting to warmer weather. And you've obviously watched baseball quite a bit as well, David. And teams like, for example, the New York Yankees, I've watched them growing up, and they've, they've always struggled. And that's why I'm not really too worried about this team, though the pitching's the biggest issue, is uh, April, May, they've always struggled. June, they kind of get going. July, of course, the route – into October is when they really get going. Offenses are starting to warm up. Is it a timing issue that we got? They probably now realized, eh, maybe the spin, because now they've got the spin. Well, there's not so much spin. They're, you know, the batting average went from here to here, and so on and so forth. Well, you're getting warmer team. You're, I mean, we're now in warmer weather, which every now, your muscles are more loosening up. Uh, overall, just teams are now can hit. And I'm not saying it wasn't no sticky situation with Garrett Cole and with Max Serge. I'm not saying that. But uh, if you're Rob Manfred right now, first of all, I hate to bring this up because I know I'm a re repetitive uh, individual when it comes to this. But we still got to talk about discipline when it comes to Houston Astros and the trash cans. Yeah, yeah. because uh, it was one of those things where, you know, it was – it got revealed, and um, I mean, I hate to mention this, but it, it, I think the only appropriate punishment should be that the Astros should vacate their World Series championship. Don't necessarily award it to the Dodgers. Well, no, exactly. No, just be a vacate. But just vacate like the NCAA. I mean, you look at uh, – you go through the list of NCAA football champions. There's quite a few in recent years that it says no champion. Yep, because so the uh, school got caught with recruiting violations and vacated it. They just left it empty. They didn't uh, lay claim to it. Was, the team that they beat didn't lay claim to it. Uh, it just says there's no – the NCAA doesn't have a champion for that year. And I think that Major League Baseball needs to do that for the Astros to make a statement because um, otherwise you're just asking for a repeat. And uh, going back to the stick, sticky stuff since for a bit – uh, there's a pitcher, Garrett Richards, uh, last Wednesday said he has to basically figure out a new way, a completely different way to pitch because he can't get a proper grip on a baseball. Um, if Rob Brantford really wants it, I guess you're going to start leading to a more more uh, hit, hit, hit batters, and that's going to lead to more even more ejection because then it's going to like, okay, the umpire's got to determine whether that was intentional or not, or wait, because I can't grip the dang gun baseball now. <laughs> well, I mean, look, if the batters suddenly start hitting 270, 280, 290, 
this team starts scoring, let's say, five to six to eight runs. Uh, then we're going to have to look at it in a way to where how can we help the pitchers? Well, the pitchers really suck. And now we're, you know, is it Garrett Cole's arm? You know, he's kind of – he's been in, up and down. Well, it could be Max Scherzer. It could be whoever. Steven Strasburg. I don't care who. Um could be the David Price. It could be, I mean, Trevor Bauer. The list goes on. Jonathan Gray, if you're an OU sooner, you know Jonathan Gray um, with the Colorado Rockies. But you know all this. Then we get to the pitchers. Well, they need help. But uh, which it, it's, it's you know, part of my French, darn if, you know, I ain't going to say, but darn if, you know, do, darn if you don't type of thing. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just going to be one of those things. I think it's just Rob Manfred has himself really in a tough spot, whether or not, you know, a lot of people agree. However he handles it, I don't know. But nonetheless, the Major League Baseball, it's another bad look because, I mean, we all remember, I know you're old enough as well to remember the steroid era, and then we get, you know, the, the Houston Astros. Well, it's not only them. It's the Yankees use the cameras. The Dodgers use the cameras. You know, whoever. I'm sure there's other teams out there that use the cameras. But I don't know. The league is <laughs> the league is really, really in a bad spot. Yeah, they really are. And uh, and I think – and, and, and kudos to me. I want to give Rob Manfred uh, a little bit of kudos for trying to do something about it because it was obvious the pitchers were using substances and – uh, even though it's, uh, you know, it is in the rule book, it can be kind of sticky substance on a glove hand, and uh, you can't doctor the baseball. That's what the rules the rules state. But it's the fact that they're trying to do it in the middle of the season that's really questioning things mm-hmm. instead of, you know, waiting until the off season for how to enforce it. Because now they're just trying to do this on the fly, and baseball is one of those games you can't really do things on the fly. No, it's, it's, you know, as much as I uh, may or may not like Rob Mansfred, he's done a decent job with this, tackled it from the get-go, noticed that, hey, we're getting a lot of whatever stats are showing up really oddly now, and then we're fighting it, and then all of a sudden, hey, guess what? Uh, We're, uh, we're not, and hey, who knows? Maybe they're fighting it to the end to where, you never know. I don't know. Um, but in the meantime, we'll see. I mean, we're getting close to the All-Star break. Uh, what, two weeks away, I think is what we're at? Yeah, we're about two weeks away. And um, the uniforms were revealed, uh, which I think is kind of a bit of a farce. I mean, um, I'm one of the guys that prefers the teams to wear – they can wear the hats that they have, but they I like to see the – wear their respective jerseys on the field. I mean, it's one of the cool things about baseball is you could see a Yankees and Red Sox jersey on the same field at the same time. And you'll see a Dodgers and a Padres and a Rockies, uh, Cardinals jersey. you see all these different jerseys. It's one of the cooler things. I don't really like all-star uniforms. I like them to have their normal uniforms on. That's just me. Yeah, I'm not a um... – I rather see the Yankees pinstripes. I rather see, you know, the Dodger blue. I don't want to see the. I, from what I've read, a lot of people love the uniforms. I personally haven't seen them yet. 
I'm not saying I'm not ignoring him. I just haven't seen him yet. Uh, but no, I, I would rather see everybody's home home team, Rose team, unis, and I don't care. Make it all home. I mean, it's, it's a meaningless game. I know that the World Series uh, home field advantage, if that means anything, is up for grabs. But I mean, let's be honest. It's a meaningless game where a lot of people just come see the best of the best and 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 enjoy the the mile high air. And I guess now since it's got moved from Atlanta to uh, to Denver, so. Do you watch the All-Star games, or do you kind of just bypass them? Uh, I watch them because I like to see the uh, – just to see the different talents on display. And, um, you know, somebody said it, uh, uh, about, like, the NBA All-Star game, you know, where it's – you know that the, it, it's almost um, – they're like – it's like they're both teams nearing 80 by the end of the – at halftime. And people say, well, there's no defense. I'm not going to watch this. That's not the point. The point is each player putting on his or her respective skills. And it's entertaining. And you only get to see it one time a year uh, that you'll get to see, you know, multiple players without, unless it's signed contracts to be on the same team, perform a super team at, on the floor at the same time. And it's just really watch these players work together uh, and do great things and just put on their talents for the audience to see. So I, lo- I like watching all-star games. I will actually watch it um, just because usually on All-Star Night, there is nothing. Now, granted, there's nothing on TV, period. Uh, but <laughs> I'll definitely watch it just because, no, I, I like to see the best of best, especially when it comes to pitching. And I know a lot of people don't like pitching, but I'm a huge fan of pitching, especially because I've always said that the best hitters are in the American League, the best pitching is in the National League until – they get to the American League and they kind of fizzle because they realize that there's uh, better hitting. Uh, and I get there's not that's not all the time true, but as of lately, it's been. But even the National League starting to get um, better in regards to hitting. I wish the National League before we headed to the NBA playoffs and the lottery. I wish the National League though would get the DH. I'm just not very fond of pitch, pitchers hitting just yet. Yeah, me neither. And, uh, I mean, there are some pitchers that can – I mean, look at Shohei Otani. Uh, the reason he's getting all that attention is because, he, you know, he's a pitcher, but he's also a very good hitter at the same time. But um, I like the I like the universal DH, and it's kind of, uh, uh, kind of interesting to watch it because you get the American League uh, and the National League playing in, playing in what they call interleague games – in case you're not a baseball fan, the American League and National League teams play each other uh, throughout the year, and the rules depend on what home team is. The home team's National League, they play by National League rules, and vice versa if, if they're in the American League. And it's interesting because the National League, which whether players use pitchers used to batting, uh, goes to the American League, all of a sudden he's on the mound, but he doesn't have to bat. And then, they, then the National League team has to figure out uh, – who they're going to have as their DH. And I would love to see Universal DH uh, because it would let, let the pitchers focus on throwing. Is it great to have a pitcher that hits? Absolutely. Uh, especially to watch Otani do what he does for the Angels. But the last thing you want is for something to happen, you know, heaven forbid he gets hit in the batter's box on his throwing arm and now all of a sudden he can't pitch the rest of the game. What are you going to do then? It's just that risk. 
And to me, you just can't have that risk. No, I agree. And um, <clears throat> we'll try again, folks. Uh, Twitter, I don't know what's going on, but anyway. Um, so anyway, nonetheless, uh, the All-Star break uh, is coming up. Trade deadline is uh, the end of July, I believe. And I'm sure, especially if the, you're the Yankees, I can see the Yankees. I can see some other ball clubs making some moves uh, to try to remain somewhere in the race, try to get back in the race, or maybe they just improve the chances to to get there. But switching gears uh, to the NBA playoffs, it's sponsored by Storm Check. Are you terrified about what lurks in your storm shelter when the tornado sirens sound that you feel prepared to spend the night in your shelter? Allow Storm Check and their team of military veterans to put your mind at ease with their services. Check them out, stormcheck.team, to get you set up and making sure your storm shelter is ready and cleaned out for when you have to use it. Here in Oklahoma, it's Oklahoma-based uh, local business, and uh, I love the, uh, the owner and his wonderful wife and a good bunch of people, so definitely check him out. But, um, David, definitely the NBA lottery – I don't know. I, I, I was from, I think it's 14 on up. I was hoping they Thunder would have gotten top three. I didn't think we had the chance for one, um, but I really thought top three. I don't know about you, David. It just wasn't very... The, the drama wasn't there. It's more this year's lottery is more predictable than I think it was anything else. Yeah, it definitely was. And I was a little uh, disappointed myself because um, I wanted at least the top five. Yeah. And uh, I figured that would be good for us. And then if Houston had fallen out of the top four, we would have gotten their pick uh, from the uh, uh, Russell Westbrook trade. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's how we acquired their pick but the way the lottery worked uh, Houston got number two and we got number six and Houston gets to keep their pick and we're just kind of like outside looking in um, I wasn't surprised I was a little bit surprised to see Detroit win the lottery draft I thought uh, maybe the uh, um, uh, some uh, maybe the uh, one of the other teams had a chance to win it but uh, with Detroit's just a big old uh it's a big old hot mess up there in the Motor City. They're uh, they're they're they don't have a superstar to build around, um, which led me to believe that. I read a comment online that said as soon as Detroit won a lottery, Cade Cunningham went back to Oklahoma State. Yeah, I was good to see Ben Wallace um, be the representative for the Detroit Pistons. I thought that was cool. He definitely aged though. Uh, since, since the last time I saw him, definitely doesn't have the afro anymore. But no, it's definitely good to see Ben Wallace back, uh, at least on TV for a few minutes anyway. Hakeem Elijah one was another one. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, it was it, it was a bummer. I really was hoping uh, to get something out of the Houston trade for Russell Westbrook uh, to get at least, you know, to say you got something out of it. I thought that would have been cool. But uh, nonetheless, of course, the Thunder at number six. They got the pieces they can move up. I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, if they're really – and I don't know if Detroit would be willing to give up that first pick. I, I don't know because Kate Cunningham is an excellent player. You know, I'm not an OSU fan, but I will give credit when credit's due. And he's a heck of a player and a game changer and 
in a team that they can build around, assuming that that's their guy, which I would imagine. Uh, Kate, I mean, I would imagine Kate Cunningham is their guy. But, um, you know, you look at Houston. I, I really thought Cleveland – I was thinking to myself, man, if Cleveland – I think they finished about three. If Cleveland got the first pick, I would love just to lay down in bed and just scroll through Twitter at that point because <laughs> it always seems that Cleveland has – that first pick, but uh, no, I was disappointed um, to say the least. Of course, when we threw through the drew the sixth pick, I'm like, well, this is it. Houston, Houston's got to be out of these next two picks, otherwise, or the next one pick, otherwise we get no other ones in the top. But no, I still like our picks. I think we got what three in the first round. I think yeah, three in the first round and two in the second round, and uh, we've also got the. Uh, Financial backing to actually draft five players if we wanted to, but knowing Sam Presti, he's going to be looking to trade one of them or two of them away. And uh, and, I, I, and even after I saw we got the sixth pick, I thought, you know what, Sam Presti's a GM and he knows what he's doing. I think he can pull something off. In fact, uh, when we got Paul George from the Pacers a few years ago, uh, one of the known local news stations uh, started calling. Uh, Magic Sam, because you know, presto, you know, here's here's uh, here's Paul George, who I didn't think we even had a sniff of a chance of getting, but uh, I'm gonna leave it in his hands. Uh, one of my drafts I'm looking at uh, says uh, projects us to get Scotty Barnes out of Florida State, and uh, he can uh, handle a ball, make his teammates better, he has the potential to defend across multiple positions. Uh, he's got a bit of a shaky jump start. Uh, but the rest of his game can make up for any shortcomings. So uh, it should be interesting to see what the Thunder do with the NBA draft. Most definitely. Most definitely. And they're in a position, yeah, you're not in the top five and top three like they were hoping for, top four even. But um, which I think a lot of Thunder fans, which I, I read quite a bit of tweets. It was interesting <laughs> To say the least, that uh, what everybody thought of, uh, I don't think, I think the most famous one that I read was, so if had we lose the final game of the season against the Clippers, would that give us a better chance? I don't know. I, I really don't think it would have, personally. I don't know how much of a other percentage we would have got if we were lost. Um, if we were going to tank tank, I know I read that that's another one. If we were going to tank tank, then why don't we just tank tank? Uh, but, but anyway, uh, I'm not no GM. Trust me, if I was a GM, uh, the Denver Broncos would be a whole different look than what we are currently. Not saying George Payton is doing a bad job or Sam Presti with the Thunder or uh, uh, Brian Cashman, you know, with the Yankees. I can, yeah, it might be time for change. But nonetheless, uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll leave Sam Presti alone. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't know what deal, what he's wheeling and dealing to these other teams. But and speaking of trades, uh, if you guys missed it last week, which I was shocked when we got it, when I got the notification, Kimba Walker uh, is coming to Loud City uh, in the trade. Uh, we got the uh, Kimba Walker. Now, here's my thoughts here in a second. We got Kimba Walker's second-round pick and this year's first-round pick. Um Coming to here, we send off what was, I think, a second-round pick, Al Horford and uh, Moses Brown, I believe, is what the trade deal was. Moses Brown is a project, whether or not 
Yeah, I thought I liked what he brought to the table when he was on the floor for Oklahoma City. Uh, Al Horford is just finishing out his career, and rightfully so. Kimba Walker, here's the interesting one, and this is where I think it's interesting because would I love to see Kimba Walker? Absolutely. Now, the how in the world we got a first round pick out of this along with him? I don't know. The only thing I can think of, uh, and definitely give your thoughts, is is there a chance we let him go or do another sign and trade deal with another team for Kimba Walker? Well, I think uh, Kimba Walker is actually going to play some games for the Punk. Um, uh, he's coming off. The reason he was traded is because he's had battled a couple of knee injuries over the last couple of years, and uh, uh, team that uh, the team didn't feel like he was a liability at this point, so they were looked to move him. Uh, I think Sam Presti is going to have the uh, have him prove that he can still play, uh, which is going to entice some other teams, and we can probably get a better asset that way rather than sign and trade um, the. Uh, one of the someone here in Oklahoma City area had Kimball Walker playing 20 games in 20 games this next season for the Thunder. So I think he'll play some show that he can still ball and then they'll generate some interest in the other teams and we could probably get a couple halfway decent players. Um, not not knocking Kimball Walker, of course, but some young players in return that we can help further develop and build around uh, SGA, who uh, is our uh, big superstar that we're trying to build around. I like it. And if we can get some action out of Kimba, I think him and SGA uh, can definitely um, be a pretty nice duo. I mean, obviously, Kimba's not the future, and obviously, SGA is. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his contract's up at the end of this year. So hopefully, we can uh, get that max deal for him and, and keep him here in Oklahoma City. And and uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know if you saw the rumor. It's, I'm, this is all I'm taking it out of, obviously, is just a rumor is Kyle Kuzma, uh, of course, from the Lakers is potentially a lot of people have him as potentially signing with the Thunder in the offseason. That would be a pretty decent addition. I want to say it's a home run move, but he can play and he can get some minutes in. Um, speaking of minutes, your thoughts, of course, uh, game four is tonight in Atlanta. Atlanta, uh, Milwaukee leads, I should say, the series two to one. However, Trey Young is out for game four. This is a time, and, and I'm looking forward to this game. This is a game that I really, unfortunately, would like to see how Trey Young, a Trey Young list Atlanta Hawks does without their um, star player. Milwaukee rolled them. Um, Last in game three, do you think the Hawks have a chance to beat Milwaukee and try to even this up? Because it would be a bad way to go to Milwaukee down 3-1. It will be, and uh, I think they have a decent chance. Uh, the uh, Having to adjust without a player mid-game is, especially late in the game, as Trey Young was in the third quarter, uh, it's, it's very difficult for any team. Um, unless you just have to have just a, you know, next man up mentality. Uh, I think the, uh, as soon as the MRI revealed it was a bone bruise, uh, he was listed as questionable. They started to come with a game plan to play without him. And then it became official just a short while ago that he's out for the game. Uh, I'll be intrigued to watch the first half and see if they adjust or not. If they, if they don't play the first half without it, 
uh, they may not stand a chance. And then, of course, going back to Milwaukee down 3-1, uh, it may very well end very quickly on their part, which is disappointing because I'm wanting Atlanta to go far. But uh, Trey Young's only 22. He's got his whole career in front of him. This is just a bump in the road. And uh, he may come back next year even better. And then Atlanta have a chance to uh, build a couple guys around him. So if something were to happen, they don't have to uh, – you know, be up, up a creek without a paddle if he gets hurt. Absolutely. And, and for everybody that's out there, obviously, I, I think highly of Trey Young, and not just because he's an OU uh, alumni, but more importantly, he's just an excellent basketball player. I still can't believe he can shoot the ball seven feet out from the hoop and still make it nonetheless. Um, it's going to be interesting. I like to see how Leonard adjusts without Trey Young how the, uh, of course, the fan base is going to be behind him, which will help out. Have this be in Milwaukee would be a really bad spot uh, if you were Atlanta, but I think the I think the crowd gets into it. Uh, we'll see how they can adjust. Of course, tomorrow, Phoenix can try to get again to in that series in Los Angeles. The Suns are up 3-2. Of course, coming off a 14-point loss to the Clippers, I believe it was yesterday on Monday. Um your thoughts on this 3-2. Can we finally see Chris Paul in the NBA Finals tomorrow night? Well, I'm hoping so, too. I would love to see Chris Paul in the NBA Finals. But um, the Clippers are playing. You just got off to a hot start is what happened. Um, they, uh, they, the Clippers just went off like a rocket and – Phoenix never could catch up. Uh, if they do that again, there will be a game seven. Uh, the Clippers are just too good if they get that start. But uh, um, I'm hoping that Chris Paul can go to the NBA Finals once he likes playing one. Um, but I think the Clippers, they're getting together. And if they can put a whole game together, they're going to make it very, very difficult for the Suns. I think if, if, if the Clippers can do what we all thought they could do, when Paul George went to the Clippers, when Kawhi Leonard went to the Clippers, what we all thought is dominate and he could do another 40-point showing like he did last night. We're definitely going to see set game seven. And then I would have, unfortunately, have no doubt that the Clippers at that point would have <clears throat> all the momentum to get into the finals, of course, trying to get out of that shadow of their big brother. But I just I, – I really would love to see Chris Paul – uh, finish out, not going to say that they will win it, but at least finish out in the NBA Finals. Heck, I'd rather see him win it, and then he'll definitely retire, I'm sure, at that point. Um, but of course, as I scroll through Twitter, everyone, just scroll through Twitter and got the sports conspiracy theories out there that they think that this is <laughs> this is a uh, conspiracy theory. I don't see how. I, I don't care about all that. But, no, I think if if George goes off like he did last night and if this team can group together and play, uh, it's going to be tough for Phoenix to to try to keep these guys down. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, it's turning into a very entertaining series in the Western Conference Finals. And uh, uh, I was very surprised to see that the Clippers even making it this far and they flipped LA. Mm. Uh, you know, if you were 
told me at the beginning of the basketball season that the the Staples Center will be used, you know, for deep into the postseason, but it's going to be used for the Clippers instead of the Lakers. That was the drought of your mind. But here we are. And uh, the Lakers are sitting at home, and the Clippers are the ones playing in the Staples Center. But I think it's great. And the fact that uh, that if the, Lake, if the Lakers can get healthy and compete with the Clippers, uh, the uh, like I've said before, uh, the um, to have the uh, competitive series between the Clippers and the Lakers is going to be entertaining for uh, for the uh, NBA and for Los Angeles. I'm looking forward to it again. Of course, uh, Game Six tomorrow on Wednesday night for the uh, Clippers and Suns. Of course, tonight, uh, Tuesday night for all you listeners out there, so y'all get confused. Tuesday night. Uh, which is tonight, but uh, regardless, game, uh, game what five now, uh, for the uh, Hawks, or game four, I should say, for the Hawks and for the Bucks. But nonetheless, I don't know about you, David. I tried my best to keep uh, my eyes on OU Champion Barbecue that took place. Last week in the Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium, um, or I should say Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. But um, from what I read, it was a successful um, event that was practically sponsored by Lincoln Riley. But by Lincoln Riley, it was an event that uh, a lot of previous former players, alumni attended. I know I saw Adrian Peterson was there. Trent Williams was there. Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, to name a few that were there, brought in, of course, a lot of big-name players that they're currently trying to go after. I know Raleigh Brown, no, I think he's a top – I think he's in the, I think, eighth nationally ranked overall, one of the top uh, running backs coming out of the 22 class. I believe he committed not too long ago. He was there, talked about how amazing it was. Brown also, you know, mentioned about how he talked to C.D. Uh, Lamb, Hollywood Brown, uh, D.D. Westbrook, Stilling Shepard. The list goes on and on uh, in regards to who he talked to, trying to get um, how he felt. A lot of other players I'm looking up as well. Uh, five-star defensive end, Omi Abower. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. Uh, defensive end Derek Moore and top running back Javante Barnes was there as well. Of course, uh, the number four prospect Malachi Nelson was there as well. The top-ranked uh, receiver Brandon Ines was there. Levis Overton was there as well. Um, from what I read, I, mean, I know other five stars, Jalen Hale, the second-best wide receiver, was there as well. David Hicks and um, among others. The list goes on and on that was there. Um, your what's your feedback on what you read? Kind of digest on your end. My end sounds like Oklahoma uh, has successful uh, champion barbecue. I love the cars in the in the south end zone. That was pretty magnificent. I don't know who yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, I don't want all of them, but at least give me one of them. Uh, <laughs> but jokes aside, uh, excellent uh, showing by the University of Oklahoma. From what I read, from the pictures, of course. I'm going to be a little homer here, but that's perfectly fine. Uh, but excellent. Uh, from what I read from uh, Lincoln Riley, he said it was the biggest recruiting weekend in, 
in his uh, era. So your thoughts on this uh, sounds like a successful uh, recruiting event weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it uh, concluded a uh, 15-month dead period, mainly due to the pandemic, where recruits couldn't even make visits. And uh, kudos to Lincoln Raleigh for pulling this thing off. I mean, you talk about being able to show off what you can do, uh, what you've got. And uh, he did great to show these recruits his targets uh, to say, hey, this is what you're coming into. And to rub noses with some of the sooner greats of years gone by. Um, you know, you want to see a Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray there. And uh, you have uh, Sterling Shepard, like you said, was there. And uh, DeMarco Murray, uh, the uh, got his first uh, um, first big win since being brought as a running backs coach. Uh, Gavin Sawchuck, the running back out of Valor Christian uh, in Colorado, number two running back in the nation, uh, formerly committed to OU. And uh, as much as I'd love to have him, I just had that little uneasiness until signing day makes it official. And uh, because they can still flip. But uh, he said he wants to be a Sooner, and I believe him, and I'm hoping that he can ink his name when the time comes and then uh, come next year or the year after to see what he can do. Um, I lived in Colorado with my mom's side of the family for a number of years, and uh, Valor Christian was one of those juggernauts. Uh, there did the Colorado, what, Tulsa Jenks and Tulsa Union are here at Oklahoma, just winning the state title year after year after year. And uh, I'm just excited about what he can do for the Sooners. I'm excited for what – for what Lincoln Riley has done. I mean, obviously, you know, I know Bob Stoops uh, did a phenomenal job at Oklahoma. And I know in his book, he, from, I haven't read his book yet. I would love to read it, but uh, I don't, I need to get it first before I read it. But I know he says that, hey, you know, the real reasoning why I retired was in there. So I don't know exactly what it was. But nonetheless, I think uh, is one of those moments that Oklahoma knew what they had in Lincoln Riley. I'm sure Lincoln's phone was going off for interviews and interest of, from other programs, and rightfully so. He's he's done a phenomenal job at Oklahoma, and not so much at Oklahoma, but you know he's done phenomenal at East Carolina, and uh, I think Texas Tech was in during his tour as well. Wherever he goes, he's successful, and I think uh, he's the OU's hit a gold mine, which is nothing new at Oklahoma, for exception of a few coaches, um, Jeff Capel, um, but, but nonetheless. I think, um, no, I think, jokes aside, I think he's done a phenomenal job at Oklahoma. I know they've got some recruits already committed for the upcoming class and even the class of 23 uh, coming in or inked in or however you want to call it verbally, I guess, for 23. But it's exciting time. Um, I know they keep talking renovation and more of the stadium. I don't know. I don't, I, all I know is I do know the press box is, is the next thing. I just don't know when. Uh, I know a lot of people are wanting the enclosed on the north end to happen. Don't know if it's going to. Uh, but nonetheless, <clears throat> no, it's an excellent weekend. Um, from what I, you know, tweets and everything else, is, it, it was successful. I guess it was they, what they were hoping for. And like you said, it's uh, I'm excited for, for this program. I mean, if you look there for the running back core, because of the fact that uh, I believe they're still young in the running back court, but you got, you know, you look at the court itself. 
Um, Marcus Major, of course, he kind of got his name out there in the open when uh, during the OU Texas game. He got there uh, named open, of course, Marcus Gray, I believe is his name. It's a transfer from Tennessee. Of course, Kennedy Brooks is is back and and uh, I don't know, but I know it's a successful weekend form. It was a home run event from what I read and saw the pictures of and I still love the cars. Of course, you know, <clears throat> Texas, the, the lovely Texas Longhorns down south from here had something similar to, to what OU had. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but <laughs> anybody out there uh, definitely know that we're 66 days away um, from college football. I'm excited, or at least from OU football. I'm sure it's less than that because uh, they always have that week before the big boys play. But um, let's just say less than two months. I'm excited for it. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And uh, everybody's talking about the OU Nebraska game and uh, first time in uh, all over a decade that we've played. But uh, Nebraska isn't there yet. And uh, I'm afraid it's going to be a one-sided affair. It's not going to be like a game of the century uh, that was 50 years ago this year. But uh, um, I think if uh, – OU OU's one of those teams that has it has the thing about bringing the best out in teams and uh, they can uh, the Browns can get back on track and we can make this a somewhat annual game, a semi-annual game. We'll play every other year. So I think it'd be great. Um, the one game that really concerns me this year is the Iowa state game. Yeah. Um, they've beaten us twice uh, in the last two years. Um, they beat us in 2017 uh, we had Baker Mayfield. Of course, we didn't really have a defense that year. We have a defense this year, which is surprising, but it's a welcome relief. But um, I think it's just one of those – I would say it's one of those teams that uh, we've got to be really, really careful with. And if we're not careful, uh, they'll stun us again. But, um, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, want to enjoy the summer, but I'm really looking forward to college football and getting back into the things of, you know uh, – tailgating, going down with Norman for hours and just hanging out with football fans. Uh, missed that last year, and it was kind of left a void. Yeah, it's definitely uh, – <clears throat> I'm definitely ready for it. I know uh, it's going to bring some back of normalcy, of course. I believe, as far as I know, it's across the board. Everyone's going to be full capacity. I know OU obviously is. I'm sure – Country-wise, it's going to be full capacity uh, across. <clears throat> I know Phil Steele, uh, if you guys don't know him, a wonderful, uh, phenomenal college football analysis. He always has a yearly magazine. Uh, he picked Oklahoma to win this year, um, the national championship. So we'll see. You know, and here's <laughs> what concerns I shouldn't say concerns me, but I always hate to be the one that's predicted to win. It's kind of like that Madden curse. Now, granted, Denver hasn't been on the Madden cover, I don't think, ever. I just don't uh, – <laughs> I just don't want to be the uh, – it seems like when we were predicted is when the season goes really south. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And uh, um, I think it was uh, – uh, there's the, there's a Sports Illustrated curse is what it, the equivalent it is. In fact uh, – 
um, the first, uh, I think it was this, the year we were playing Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Um, we were, uh, um, they had like these regional covers, the Sports Illustrated, where they had a preview of the playoff games. And so everybody's on the cover at some point, but uh, um, there's times where I, I don't want to see it because it's like now we're jinxed, but uh, a little superstitious <laughs> from about that. But uh, now I'm, I'm looking forward to it, looking to see what uh, um, Alex Grinch can do. I think this is his third year in mm-hmm. in the uh, at Oklahoma, so yeah. this is a real chance to really get going on his uh, defensive. And uh, um, if he does really good, do not be surprised if he starts to get entertaining offers to be a head coach somewhere because um, it's one of those things where uh, people are going to be watching, hey, if this guy can take – a team like Oklahoma, the better the college football because, hey, the Big 12 doesn't play defense, turn them around to where they can win a national championship. What may, what, what can you do for our school? And so they're going to be entertaining offers, but uh, we're just going to take it uh, one game at a time and see what happens. Well, most definitely, and I think that this guy <clears> – <throat> excuse me. He's done a phenomenal job, of course, with – with the players he got uh, when he came into it. And the, the one thing I love about Alex Grinch, and I know we're mainly talking about the champion, but so reflection <clears throat> recruiting is when he came in right after that first season, he flat out told X, Y, and Z, you ain't going to play for me. So here's, you know, practically gave him the option to transfer. And hey, you ain't going to play. If you do, it's not going to be much or potentially special teams. Practically cleared house. Um, and I, I like that because that shows him, hey, you know, it's going to be one of those things, do it my way or the highway. And so I applaud him for it. I know Buki's no longer there, and and I'm sure I'll, I'll probably keep an eye on him in Washington and stuff like that. But, uh, no, he'll, he'll definitely be getting entertained some offers. Um Especially if, if, especially Oklahoma goes, you know, undefeated, Big 12, another Big 12 championship, and obviously get their first semifinal win in the course of the national championship. I think even if they don't uh, go undefeated, but still win the national championship, of course, it'd probably have to be a one loss team, but uh, I still think he gets off. Nonetheless, he gets offers and I know, I don't know what his contract is, but I know he's better start to, uh, if they want to keep this core together, they're going to have to slowly but surely start paying the paying the coaches. Yeah, and that's the thing about it because if, it, if they say money talks, and if the right offer comes across the table, these coaches are going to say, "Okay, I'm going to pack my boxes and I'm box up, and I'm going to get on out of here and go go well climb the coaching ladder." Um, but uh, it's one of those things where, hey, you better reward these guys for what they do because otherwise they're going to start looking elsewhere. Oh, yes. And, you know, OU's a young team. This team can I, – I hate to use the word dynasty, especially in college sports, because the fact that so much goes into it. you got the porter, which is a huge thing now. It seems like anybody and everybody's going to go into it if you don't like what's going on. used to be, you know – you had to sit out a year if you transferred. I don't know. 
That's a great question. David, do you know about the chance? Is that still a rule, even in the portal, that even if you transfer, you still got to sit out of year? Is that practically you transfer and you can play? Um, I have to look that up, but uh, I think it was uh, originally you had to sit a year, but mm-hmm. because of COVID, I think they kind of looked at you know, they they relaxed it for a minute bit. But um, with uh, some teams playing and some teams, uh, uh, but uh, some teams playing and some teams not. But uh, I'm not sure if uh, if you can still play it right away or not. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to look it up right quick, but I don't know how the uh, um, well, actually, yeah, they've uh, they actually they it was earlier this year they formally approved the new transfer that you can play immediately without having to wait a year. Interesting. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Well, for all the listeners out there, that shows you my age. I still remember because <laughs> growing up, I mean, obviously I'm not that old, but you know, when you look at back, you're starting to get up there. No, it used to be that's what it was. Was you transferred, and let's just say Josh Heupel transferred, he would have to sit out a year. And usually, if you're a junior, that's a bad way to end your career because obviously you're not going to play unless you can get that NCAA fifth year appeal approved by the committee and so on and so forth um oh one thing i was going to mention and i know i told since we're talking about it college football college football of course the expansion a few weeks back we mentioned it um they approved now i guess the first process of it so this might be happening we might be getting 12 i don't know if we'll get 16 i'm probably not there yet but that sounds like we're in the right direction of getting that playoff expansion yeah and uh but I think uh, the problem is, is you're going to have uh, two teams, you know, from multiple conferences, uh, multiple teams from the conference, though. And we all know that the SEC is king. And the fact that they have two teams in the current playoff a couple of years ago was one thing. And then putting maybe three teams in the new playoff, like, okay, the SEC, you know, is getting tired of uh, – kind of tired of them guys. But um, – do I like it? Yes. Am I a fan of it? No. And the reason is, is because you're going to have a team that, unless they can figure out the seating situation, um, I don't know if the same committee that determines seats for the men's basketball tournament will do the football tournament, or they're going to have different committees do it, uh, come up with seating, because the last thing you want is mm-hmm. a mismatch in the first round, because they can't figure out how to seed players. You look at what happened in the Women's College World Series last month um, with the way the seed the seeds worked. You had um, uh, Wichita State and Oklahoma, two of the very best um, softball teams, uh, play in a super in a regional, and instead, and there was only one one team that was going to come out of that regional, even though both of them deserved to be in the Women's College World Series. Um, so I hope they can figure out the seating. If they can figure the seating, I'm on board with it. But I have to see how they're going to figure out how to work the rankings. If they should go by the uh, rankings, uh, like the uh, poll rankings, AP and coaches poll, or they can have an entirely different seating. Uh, it should be interesting to watch if they uh, how they do the seating. Well, hopefully, you know, as long as it's 12 or 16, obviously eight sounds like it's not going to happen. I still go eight to at least slowly expand it. I don't think 
Do you need to jump from four to 12 and expect this thing to work? I don't know. But nonetheless, I think that if they can get the, I'm, I'm with you, if they can figure out, okay, here's the formula. Here's what you can't have on your schedule. Here's what you can't have on your schedule. Obviously, strength of scheduling, I think, personally, should should go into it. Um, I get, you know, these schedules, a lot of these schedules are way in advance schedule. I, I, I get that part. But there's got to be a way to say, okay, strength of schedule has to play a point because it's not fair um, for your SEC teams to play Cupcake Junior High School and Cupcake Senior High School and then yet they win by 67 points. And here comes, let's say, Oklahoma, who will lose to, let's say, if they play Georgia, which they do down in the future, they lose by four. I just don't see – and then they get punished for it, or they lose to a team that they eventually beat Iowa State last year and and after losing to the first time. I don't see where the fairness have is. Of course, you know, you always get those. Speaking of SEC real quick, while we're talking the SEC, uh, Chrissy Foyd, is coming on the show this week, a huge SEC um, fan. Of course, a publisher of Sports Illustrated Fan Nation channel dedicated to all things Mississippi State. And uh, she writes for the USA Today, uh, the LSU Tigers and Tennessee Titans. Of course, she's a part of the draft network. Um, the LSU grad, uh, Chrissy Ford, will be on this week. Now, I'm definitely going to be interested and. In, um, kind of talk some SEC. You know, she'll be the first SEC person I can physically just like, what is it that you guys are so obsessed? Why are you guys thinking you guys are the big boys? I get you guys had success. I'm not knocking that. But the world doesn't evolve around the Southeastern Conference. I know it does, but it actually truly doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where – you know, it's and I think it's just all that all that winning is going to their heads. What happened? You know, you get used to winning, and uh, uh, you look at what happened in Oklahoma back in the fifty. I think it was the fifties when they had that forty-seven game winning streak, which is still a record. I mean, teams have come close, but then they've faltered along the way. To show you how unbreakable that record really is. It is, yeah. But, um, the the SEC is just. I think they just like I said they've gotten they've gotten a little well, up in their heads because they won all this year and they don't want to lose because they feel like if they start losing, recruits are going to uh, start looking elsewhere. And it's one of those things where, you know, Nick Saban can take a recruit and say, this is what you're coming into. Look at all these trophies. This is what you're going to get if you come to us. And uh, he doesn't want to lose that recruiting edge. And that's what that's what college football is all about. Oh. Um, quite frankly, college sports, it's a recruiting edge. And you, you'll take any edge you can get. And uh, if it means that you're going to lose your recruiting edge because you stop winning, then you're not going to be a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, and you look at this out, I know we're getting off, way off uh, subject from the champion, but it, but it still brings back to recruiting, which in fact was a champion barbecue last week and uh, what it was. Yeah, if you, don't, if you can't recruit, and it doesn't matter if you're leaking Riley or Bob Stoops or if you're Mike Gundy or – I don't care who, um, Mike Leach at Mississippi State or Nick Saban or Ed Ordon, which I thought was a joke of a hire, but guess what? He proved my point. But nonetheless, if you can't recruit, you can't win. Obviously, college sports, especially college football, uh, is a humongous moneymaker. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I know I said this on somebody's show. Uh, I was a guest on, I think, when I first started this podcasting. 
I think I mentioned it. I'm going to still stick to it, probably in a different degree, though. I still think eventually, not right now, because the NFL is a huge money monopoly maker. Um, but I really personally believe college football is going to be close to that level here in the next few years. They've gotten as big time as big time can get. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, and if OU can get keep some of these recruits or even get some flips from other schools that, uh, based on what these players saw online about this whole champion barbecue, uh, don't be surprised if other schools start copying an idea. Just like I said, it goes back to that recruiting edge. It's all about recruiting, and uh, I know our our uh, steps uh, stepsons or stepbrothers down in uh, Austin. I'm sure that they're uh, trying to figure that out. I know that they're trying to copy uh, to an extent of what Oklahoma did, and I get it. They they want to be like you know they want to be like us. So I, <laughs> I totally get it. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna get my way down to Dallas this year. Um, I gotta check I gotta check that my, uh, bucket list off my name. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I'm thinking, uh, you know, maybe just going down to Dallas for the game and just going to the Texas State Fair will be tremendous. Just to take in that atmosphere down there. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I've never been um, down that time. I've driven by once, um, not the State Fair, but just a Cotton Bowl. And um, it's not in the world's greatest area at all and it's unfortunate but uh, definitely all you listeners up there especially if you're from the Dallas area uh, be careful if you're not very familiar with it it's, uh, it's an interesting but not a good part of town and that wasn't me that's saying it either so <laughs> but anyway David uh, as always <clears throat> uh, it's been fun and uh we got show number two, what, Thursday? Um, yeah. That's what I thought. I'm so screwed up. I thought yesterday was Tuesday. So here I am about to say, well, I guess I'll see you, uh, talk to you tomorrow as well. I'm so screwed up on my days. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. This is, uh, yeah, you weren't feeling well. And I was kind of busy on Tuesday, on last Thursday. So we kind of postponed it to this, but it kind of made a long, little bit of a longer show. But, uh, We'll have to talk uh, – Matt definitely make plans to go Thursday because we could have the NBA final set. Um, if the uh, um, Hawks win uh, – then Bucks win tonight and then the Suns win tomorrow. Well, the Suns are in, and then the Bucks could very well be in uh, for um, uh, after, after Thursday's game. So we'll have to make plans Thursday to do a, a – somewhat NBA Finals preview. Of course, if the Clippers are still in it, well, then it'll be more interesting than that. So uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll, be, we'll be looking forward to it. Definitely. Uh, we'll be definitely looking forward to it. Hopefully we can get some NBA Finals in there. Not say I'm counting out the Clippers and the Hawks, but uh, it'd be nice to get some NBA Finals. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be more uh, Major League Baseball. I know recruiting's up in the air now. I know there's a few recruits uh, – that was uh, in limbo today, so we'll talk all that hopefully in the future as well on Thursday. But, David, enjoy your uh, game four tonight between the Hawks and the yep. uh, Most definitely. You have a good night, Michael. You as well. Everyone, you've been listening to the Air Raid Attack podcast. Follow the show, Air Raid underscore podcast on Twitter. 
listen to us on the uh, Unhinged Sports Networks every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. And of course, uh, listen and subscribe, follow us, rate us, all that good stuff on uh, you, all the podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. All more of that information will be coming here in the next few days. David, enjoy game five, uh, game four, and we will see you all Thursday night.